Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, August 1st, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we talk about Rails, Rails, and more Rails. Paperclip updates, devise bugs, and three nifty little gems for your fun and enjoyment. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. JS coming to you from the Gaylord Opryland Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. It is... I don't know what time it is. I have like a one-hour time change. It's completely thrown me yeah, for a loop. Yeah, we're not on the same time zones at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to sync up the audio later. Is it? Does that matter? No, no it doesn't. <laughs> Imagine if it did. Your hour, your your audio is going to be an hour ahead of mine. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to wait a long time. Yeah, it is one ten in the morning in your home time zone. Oh, okay. So you know why um, I am super confused this time around is because for years my normal um, routine when traveling is to leave my laptop on home time. Mm -hmm. always so i knew that when i looked at my laptop clock that's what time i was at home so call home and all that stuff and your phones automatically update usually which is what you want um and this time i've got this awesome brand new laptop which is just gets better every day it's just like (laughs) the best thing ever and it automatically changed the time in the new Ah, time zone so it threw you off way off and I mean, it was only an hour, but it just like completely messed with my head. So now, now every time <laughs> I look at my laptop clock, I don't trust it. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, that's a feature. Um, yeah. So folks, we've got a, a an a all rails episode for you this week. We do. And we are going to start off as usual with housekeeping and in the, uh, in the tradition of this week's episode being all about rails, we'll start off with an announcement about the rails rumble 2014 Sunday and, and Saturday and and Friday night. Yeah. That was my monster truck impression. I can tell actually Kira, Kira went to a County fair earlier in the week and I believe there were some monster trucks there. Nice. And and then she got up the next day and broke her finger. Ooh, that's right. That is awful. At least it wasn't her hand. The rumor was that it was her hand, which would be... Well, her... Yeah, her hand was pretty banged up, but it turned out it was just the, the finger that was broken. Mm. And everything else, it just, like, bruised and sore. So what happens when you play sports ball? Mm-hmm. No more sports ball. Try to tell her, keep building robots. You never break yep. your finger building a robot. I mean, until they come to destroy us. Yeah, there, well, there is that. Then they'll break every bone. But yeah, Rails Rumble. Yes, I am very excited about this. Um, so we talked last week, I think, briefly about the fact that uh, Kelly. That would be me. <laughs> Rails Rumble champion. Uh, is Well, I guess we said that last week, so we don't need to rehash it. But you were going to be doing some things for them to promote the new event. And we're wondering about what to do. Yes. And we came up with, a, I think, a really fun idea. 
I think we did too. And and then we decided that we would just team up on it. Now that I am an experienced Rails developer. <laughs> yes, you've had like two or three hours experience, so you should be good. That's all it takes. Yeah. It's a powerful framework. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I'll be focusing more on the JavaScript and front-end stuff, yeah. and, and you'll be doing all the hard parts. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but we came up with an incredibly self-serving idea that I think is actually uh, a viable concept sort of yeah i, don't, I think we, we could make a business out of it if we really wanted to yeah do we want to go into it or is this top secret uh i don't know should we let's like leave it hanging that'll be fun we can leave it hanging when is it's not until october no so maybe we'll we might have to let the cat out of the bag after a while but the so but this week we'll just say that uh, we're actually teaming up for a rails rumble which puts us at as you told me a serious disadvantage it does first of all because I'm on the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> and second of all, because this pushes us out of solo mode into uh, teams, which could be up to four people. Up to four people. So we're 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 going to have to punch above our weight class. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's hard for a two person team to really compete well with a, against a bunch of four person teams. Exactly. But but, but we'll do our best. Since since we're naturally awesome, exactly. We're Wonder Rails twins. Power activate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be we'll um we'll be not speaking to each other by that Sunday afternoon and just. <laughs> I have never done a. I have never done anything like this actually of any kind. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. No. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is literally running a real marathon. Like a like an actual sporting event, which is not not close at all. <laughs> the closest the closest thing I think is um, maybe the the days leading up to the the launch of the new Sticky Albums Builder. <laughs> yeah, an actual a, a, a like literal project deadline of some kind is yeah. really the closest thing, and that is not that cannot that's got to be worse. I I I'm pretty God. It's you would not be doing this again for fun if it was really like a project deadline. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it's it's not. You don't. I mean, you because you don't have the pressure. Because mm. I mean, yeah, you because you want to get it done because you want it to be awesome and you want to win stuff. But it's not like you're gonna lose your job if it's not done. So yeah, or like you're gonna have to like I don't know, send a fruit basket to a customer service department. Yeah, I've like done that. that before. Oh, me too. <laughs> Same customer service department. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I sent him chocolate covered strawberries. There you go. A whole bunch of them. Yeah, I, I said an edible arrangement, I believe, in coffee. Um, but enough about us. Let's talk about paperclip. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> in last week's episode, we had talked about the whole process I went through with renaming uh, a bunch of paperclip attachments. Oh, right. Yes, we wanted new route format thanks to my OCD. Yes, yes. Yes, and uh, in the show notes, you linked to a blog post I had written about doing that. Mm -hmm. And the astute reader looking at that blog post may realize that that there is a place, there is one point in there where I am downloading photos um, just through their, by accessing them through their URL. Mm -hmm. And yet, in my quest to simplify the code down to something that was that made things easier to explain 
in the example that I used, it actually would have stored the files on the file system. Mm. So in that case, you wouldn't actually want to get them from the URL. It would be much simpler just to read them from the hard drive. <laughs> so uh, I've done that so many times. But yes, in, in reality, the files were on S3, and that was just a, a, a mix-up in, in my example code. So there's now a, a, a lovely note at the bottom of the article. There you go. And I, I didn't change the code because I, think, I feel like downloading them from a URL is a useful, useful thing to know how to do. Because <laughs> mm. a lot of times they are stored somewhere else. So. Gotcha. So, dear listener, if you did review that code, you might want to give it a second look. Yeah. If you read the article and were confused as to why I did, why I did it that way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't insane. I just kind of screwed up when I was trying to simplify it all down to something that was more easily digestible in the article. Mm, that's so tricky. It really is. When you take, you're like, yeah. oh, here's this real life situation, but it's, it's all muddled up with real live business logic. Exactly. Let's pull out the key points and then completely destroy the example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really easy that. to do. It's kind of hard to like, like write a test harness for your example code in a blog post. Yeah, I know. I've, I've wanted to many times. But, I mean, you know what? I, what I had would have still worked because you can get it from the URL just as just as well. But it's probably, I'm sure, it's not as efficient. Right. Well, there you go. Um. All right. Well, that brings us to the bug report. Ooh. Uh. So this is this is uh in keeping with our tradition of this episode <laughs> to talk about nothing but rails. Uh, I have been, um, playing again with rails to try and get myself up to speed with what the cool kids are doing. And I'm happy to report that I am finally in a like a, like a development routine, which I've never gotten that far with rails before. Like sometimes I finally successfully set up my environment with like much help from Kelly and, or I'll like, like actually get something running in development. And then like I peters out because it doesn't work or like I'm trying to fight the, fight the framework and, you know, use the API as the backend instead of what it wants you to do. So this time I am completely submitting to the framework and letting it wash over me in all of its greatness. Become one with the code. Yeah. I'm being assimilated by rails and it, and it really, it really is great. It really is great. There's like, there's like tons of magic, uh, but if you took the magic out, it wouldn't be cool. So you have to, uh, I shouldn't say cool. If you take the magic out, it wouldn't be so easy, <laughs> you know? And start to say, if you take the magic out, it would be Sinatra. <laughs> and that's nothing against Sinatra. I actually, I really love Sinatra, and Sinatra has its own little little bits of magic that are very different. But it's, but yeah, it, what you write in Sinatra ends up being a lot more, just pure ruby. Mm, yep, that's definitely my experience as well. Like my very novice, like couple of tries experience, where it's like, it, but see, it, that's the funny thing. Like Sinatra always felt more comfortable to me because you had all these knobs to twiddle and you had to twiddle them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in fact, when I, uh, I first started learning rails, um, and I used it for a few years and then I took a break and when I took a break from it, rails was at version two one yeah. and I didn't, I didn't come back to rails until actually right before 
like a, uh, a few months before four was released. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, for about a year before I went back to rails, um, actually I was spending a lot of, a lot of time in Sinatra yeah. and that, that, that made me a much better, a much better Ruby developer than like the, the small stuff I had done in rails before then ever did. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I remember you saying that you, that you sort of in retrospect felt like you made a mistake jumping into rails without Ruby first. Yeah. And I, I mean, when you say that in retrospect, it seems kind of obvious, but if rails is your first introduction to Ruby, obviously you, you want to learn rails. That's why you're, so you're like, Oh, well rails is a Ruby thing. So I have to, you know, it's what sucked you in. So you kind of want to do it. Yeah. And yeah. So let me see. So, so, um, I'm totally digging it. Like we fought, like, like with much help from Kelly, but I feel like less, it's getting less and hopefully it'll tone it itself yeah. down. Um, but the nice thing, uh, I, uh, the nice thing about working with me on a rails project <laughs> is that, uh, I find every, every possible bug that you could really do. Yeah. I just step on every landmine that is in every framework and every gem and everything. Like I break it. I don't know what, I don't know what my problem is. Yeah, if you're, if you're a rails developer and you need someone to like bug hunt and do QA, you know, seek this guy out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll break it. Um, but you know what, honest, in all honesty, you know what it is, is like, I, I think a lot of it comes from me not letting it just like not trusting it basically. Mm-hmm. Like you go, you go to a tutorial and you're like, it can't, this cannot work like this. Like something, they're leaving something out and then like, I'll do something and then like, I'll give you an example. So, um, I'm going through and you know, I'm going through the examples on the rails site and also mm-hmm. the rails casts, um, to the extent that you can. And, and it's like, like one of the examples was, um, okay, here's how I know that I'm converted. You ready for this? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I checked with you first and I was like, should I use the scaffolding, the generators to create, you know, like, um, I don't know what they call them at that level, like an object, basically. You yeah, know, a like resource. A, a, res- a resource, okay. So, like, basically it creates the model, it creates a controller, it creates a, v- a bunch of views. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you could, like create those, all those, creates all those files, and you go through an atom and everything, all that stuff. Yeah, it saves a lot of time. Mm. And I actually, I don't I don't use generate resource that often. I, I pretty much do them individually, make a model, make a controller, and then just create views by hand, but... That's actually, I think that's actually what I did. Well, so here's the thing is like, I'm not, I'm not into a routine yet. So I'm probably mixing and matching things. And so, yeah. um, I remember that I did the model independently and there are two, if I recall correctly, there are two ways to generate. There's like a, a one that does more for you and there's one that does less for you. Yeah. And do you, do you know off the top of your head, you know what they are, right? Uh, yeah. Generate resource will create model view controller and routes. Mm-hmm. Um, generate controller will just make your controller and it will add some routes to your routes file, but they're usually ones that you'll end up going in and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then there's uh, generate model, which will just create the model in the database uh, migration. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I did controller and model, but something, does model create views? Uh, controller creates views. Okay. So I, that's what I did. So I did controller and I did uh, um, model. And so when I did model, I was like, I was like, oh, I just want to see if this works. So I went in and I didn't want to type out like, um, you know, 15 uh, fields, they're not really fields, I guess, in the, the, the terminology, but you know, it was like, but basically that's what it's going to do. It's going to create migrations to create all this table with all these fields in it. And so, oh yeah, right. I know model creates the views and here it's model that, that, oh geez. Now I'm confused. Cause here's what I did. I created model. It does a generate model and I gave it like, um, just the very most basic fields that I wanted on each model, the properties that mm-hmm. I wanted in each model. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> And I swear it created views because I ended up with like the the seven different verbs worth of views plus an underscore one. That you must have you must have generated a resource and not a model. Uh, maybe. Does resource accept um, properties? It's the same way model does, yeah. Okay, that's pro- that must be what I did then. So because it create it definitely created views because I remember going back and saying okay and then I asked you I'm like well okay how do I go back and add fields to the database and you're like oh, I have to create migrations and I actually knew this from the last time I tried to to jump into Rails but it was like I was like no way I'm opening up this the PHP my admin and I'm gonna edit the database because I'm, I'm a, going to I'm punch a you SQL guy right and you just it's like and so this time I just let it wash over me I submitted yeah. to the framework. And did and and the, and the migrations really are pretty cool. It's they like are. it's really it is pretty nice. And uh, so then I so then I go and here's this is the long story short, uh, <laughs> long story longer. Um, I know I'm converted because I added the migrations to the I did the migrations. I added the the columns or the, what is the right way to say this? The properties to the model or the columns? I just. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I added but the yeah, columns yeah, the- to the database and 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 I reloaded the page expecting that the views would now have the new fields. Oh, no, it's not that simple. And I was like, it didn't work. <laughs> but like like in that moment and then and then like thirty seconds later it dawned on me that why would it do that? It like can't go you can't just willy nilly go edit my views. <laughs> like randomly edit your HTML and yeah. know exactly where to put it. Right. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> so it, it, but then at that in that moment, at that moment of realization, I was like, Okay, I'm converted. Like I'm now I'm already expecting it to like magically understand yeah. that I wanted to update <laughs> my views. That's gonna be the first Ruby gem, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, just, just it's going to be called magic views. Yeah, magic Don't, eye. <laughs> you go in there and it says, "Do not edit this file. It is generated automatically by magic eye, <laughs> by the all-seeing Rails gem." <laughs> in the end, we'll just have a gem that's like 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 rig generate cool app. Generate Rails Rumble twenty fifteen. Yeah, generate winning entry. <laughs> <laughs> Rails Rumble winning entry. Yeah. <laughs> Gem install. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, so uh, the, the reason we're even doing all this preamble is to lead up to a particular bug that I managed to generate. <laughs> yes. Which you will have to describe because I don't know 
how you fixed it. Okay. Um, basically, there is a bug in the current version of Devise uh, with Rails 4 that um, the logout, uh, Devise logout functionality uh, has errors with validating the authenticity token if you have that enabled for your CSRF protection. Exactly. That all made sense to me, actually, but, yeah. but but maybe it didn't make sense to the dear listeners. So, like, what I tried to do first was that I was like, oh, I need, this needs a login, and I know there's two ways to do it. Mm-hmm. I could either hand roll it, or I can use device, or there's a handful of other ones, but I know you use device, so that was going to be the one I was going to gravitate to. Yeah, I was like, yeah, device isn't the simplest one to use, but go ahead, because yeah. I know it, and I could help you with it, and it's a good one. Yeah. And like my goal here is to, to not be hand rolling stuff all the time. So I was like, yeah. you know, it is probably going to take me the same amount of time to learn device or hand roll this. And I'm really trying to like stop hand rolling stuff. So, mm-hmm. so let me go with the, the, the thing. But so like there, of course I had already created like a people model and I feel like that contributed to my problems because I had like mo- it, kinda, it, it didn't contribute in that it caused problems, but it, it kind of muddied the waters a little bit when okay. we we're trying to. Okay. So, so the device gem really is, and it's like an engine. It's like all encapsulated. All the views are kind of like hidden inside of it or, or the, yeah, you know, it is exactly. It's a rails engine. Yeah. So it's like super awesome. It's like so <laughs> awesome. Like when it, when, when, so when we got it actually working pretty quickly, we did the sign in part. And I, you know, you had pointed me to a page where we both Googled to the same page and it just like, there's like a, a, a couple of steps. In fact, after you install the gem, it gives you like a little readme automatically. Yeah. And prints I, it out the terminal. Yes. And one of, but one of the steps, I think it was the fourth one, there are four steps, four things that you need to maybe do next. Mm-hmm. And there was one of them that was not as clear as it could have been. It wasn't obvious to me that I didn't have to do it. So, um, I ran a device like rake device colon something and generated generate views. Yeah. And it puked out all the views that it would normally would have internally to itself. And I was, uh, but you only need to do that if you're going to customize them. Right. Which I did not need to do. So then I went and deleted them and then it had added something around files. Things, things were break, but you already had a people controller. Yeah, so that's where everything got really wonky. But we actually fixed that pretty quick. Yeah, we did. Um, but then when I went to put a log out button in, and it points to, and this since since I kind of bound device to this mo- uh, people model, then it was like, you know, it would go to like URL people slash sign underscore out. And it was like, there is no person with the ID sign underscore out. Yes, because it was conflicting with the people controller that you had in there. Right. So we got rid of your people controller, and then we had to put the delete method on the sign out link. Oh, right. So this is kind of interesting. This is, yeah. this is and you know, for people who already know Rails, they're probably already hung up on this podcast, but the if, if you don't, the, if you, you can go, there's this awesome command that you can run to generate a list of all your routes. And Kelly probably knows it off the top of her head. 
break routes. <laughs> there you go. And because uh, there is a routes file in the config and you might think that it gets customized by all these other things, but apparently some of these things store additional routes elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So you need to run this command in order to see what all they are. And there's additional columns in there that give you important information about uh, prefixes for um, for different routes that you need to use in like helpers like the link to helper. Yeah, yeah. HTTP, HTTP verbs, the route names, whether you need a specific content type format for it, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's like gives you everything you need to know. Yeah, and and this and you can you can grip that rake task too. Just super handy. Sure. You have a ton of routes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. It took, like, I only figured that out just like a few months ago. And I'm like, oh, why haven't I been doing this all along? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It's so anyway. So when, once we did that and we both noticed it, it was like, mm, it's creating a link. And it says in the route that it has to be a delete HTTP, HTTP verb. Yeah. Yeah. Once, so, once I looked at the route, it was, it's like, oh yeah, you're you're sending a git request that should be delete. But so here's the crazy thing. Uh, again, not interesting if you already know Rails, but um, if when you use a link to, you can post uh, a, a an optional options parameter where you tell it what method to use. Yep, yep. You just link to, and then your your named route, and then method, and, and then specify the the HTTP verb that you wish to use right which is like which is like dark magic because what it does is that it like chunks a bunch of javascript in there or you have to there's like a an application level global javascript yeah i had to include the javascript have it in there yeah so what it does so like rails kind of hijacks that link and sends it via ajax instead i assume what i uh, i don't i don't know that it sends it via ajax or it might send additional information with it i'm not sure you know, I, I haven't really inspected it closely enough to see exactly what it's doing. It, yeah, I mean, I mean, just from, I didn't either. I just, I'm assuming it had, I mean, it can't be, it can't be a straight up, you can't modify the headers on a straight up link click. Yeah. No. So it must be, it must be doing some kind of JavaScript, which must result in some kind of an Ajax request, I assume. But anyway, I, I was like, again, here's where I'm converted. I assumed that at using that link to in that file, or I didn't assume, but I, I, my first, my first thought was that using that, um, option actually modified code in, um, I don't know where it would, where it would properly reside, but to accept for that particular route to not to accept a get instead of a delete. No, it actually sends some, send some information there that, that to treat it as a delete. Yeah. Um, but you can, in the device configuration, you can change There's a configuration option to allow logout via get instead of delete. Mm -hmm. But I, but I don't know if that does just get, or if that then adds support for get and delete both. Mm -hmm. Because I imagine if you're doing something like if you have an API, you don't want to, you'd still want to use delete and, and not get. So, yeah, I mean, even my even my first thought would have been a horrible thing to do. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want to accept. I guess it doesn't matter so much for destroying a session, but still, I mean, you could th theoretically something could crawl that or something and yeah. like log you out, which would be weird. 
I don't know if that's possible. No, that's not really possible, but regardless, there... It feels weird. Yeah, there's a there's just like, the more, and you know, how, how long has it been? Two weeks? And now uh, that... If that, yeah. Yeah, if that. And I've been able to like get into... You know, actually, I, I'm I'm feeling relatively comfortable. I'm like at the point where I there's, I'm like, it's like that point where in Sublime when I switched over from Text Mate, which oh my god I loved, and before that mm-hmm. oh my god I loved BB Edit. Mm-hmm. But once you once there's a certain hump you get over, and it's like, whew, yeah, I've started to forget the old way. <laughs> and I'm like just about at that point. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember last time when I when I toyed with Rails, I was like, "Holy mackerel, this this is awesome!" But I definitely didn't feel like I got to the point where I was like forgetting PHP or like like starting to think in the new way. Right, right. Yeah, but to get in that. It's like this is awesome, but right now it's still harder to do for me than the old way. Yeah, like I can not, s- yeah I can see the power, but I'm not feeling it. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can be so much lazier now. <laughs> I can write so much less. Yeah. People talk about writing lazy code in PHP because it lets you get away with everything. It's like, uh, yeah, but you can be a lot lazier in Ruby because you're not writing nearly as much. Yeah. It's like jQuery. Do yeah. more, write less. Yeah. Yes. We should, we should maybe mention the fix for that bug. Oh, right. Yeah. This is the bug report. Yeah, yeah. So we found the bug, um, and we weren't the first to find it. It was documented on GitHub, turns out. Mm. And it was, so Device was having problems validating the authenticity token on the sign-out request. So the solution was just to create a custom device controller and skip the authenticity validation for the destroy action. Ta-da. <laughs> So I just like randomly went in and set that up for you so you didn't have to deal with it. Gotcha. So that we could log out. Because I was I was just sitting there and I was like, man, I don't want this I don't want John to like give up on Rails again because of this one <laughs> stupid bug. I have to figure out what's going on and fix it. Yeah, adding your public key to the server was probably my best move. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Shall we move on to the feature content? We can do that, but I don't know that there is a... Our feature content might not be as long as the bug report was, but... You never know. Nonetheless. I might cut out a lot of that rambling. <laughs> I think that was that was good rambling this time, though. Hopefully. It, was t- it wasn't rambling about, like, like, uh, like the, the kids, dog. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, cool. So, uh, in keeping with the tradition of this week's episode... We are going to talk about Rails. We are. Specifically, three nifty gems that... Uh, now, have, are these things that you have used recently or stumbled across? Or what's they the... Are, yeah, they're, they're things I am... Things I am using. Well, one of them I'm not currently using. I was using earlier, and I have since stopped because I going going about things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's a nifty gem, and I wanted to mention it. So nifty gems up next. Yes. Number one. <laughs> you you can't do a podcast now without doing. No. No. It's like a trademark. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Mark, just not yours. It's not mine. <laughs> I wonder what the statute of limitations is. I, I guess they have to find the corpse first. But that's a completely different story. Poor guy. I know. I know. So I am super intrigued by the name of the first one. Okay. The first one is called Whenever. Yeah. And I I cannot imagine what this does, but I think I'm going to love it. <laughs> yeah, whenever. <laughs> whenever gives you a very nice interface. Um, a nice little DSL for, for writing and managing cron jobs on the server inside of your Rails application. Wow. But so can, does it does it does it live up to its name or is it like a best effort kind of thing? Um, you can specify very specific times, or you can just be like eh, once a day, <laughs> whenever once a day at some point. Yeah, and it'll it'll create the cron job to do it at like midnight. Or a convenient time. Yeah, a convenient time. <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, so you can be like. Once a day, run this rig task. Hmm. And it's it's that simple. <laughs> that is cool. And so now that is something that comes up with alarming regularity. Yes. In projects. It seems like there is... It could be that there are places where I should be using webhooks. Because a lot of times it's kind of like... It's kind of like... Depending on something else happening. It's, yeah, it's almost like a lazy man's event loop, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where you're like, every minute, check for something. Lazy man's job queue. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, it's a good, it's a good, nice, easy, brain dead way to create like a repetitive pull to check for something or whatever. And it's freaking reliable. It is very reliable and it's really easy to test. Yeah. So... There are a lot of advantages to it. It's not elegant in the least. Nor- normally, when I do it, I don't. You know, it depends on it depends on what you're using it for. Obviously, scheduled tasks is an important thing. Um, ah, so that's cool. So, um, so that what's the what's do you have like an example that you can kind of flesh out a little bit to give kind of a use case? Yeah, yeah. For instance, um, we have like if. I'm working on working on a feature in sticky albums right now to be able to add some add some time to the end of the subscription. Right. Okay. So somebody's got and, like a like an account that's going to expire on a date. Yeah, and we want to give them another two weeks free. Mm-hmm. So I have whenever like once a day check for expired accounts that are accounts that are expiring tomorrow and have some free days queued up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boom. So I so I wrote a rake task to handle all of that logic, mm-hmm. um, as far as checking checking for accounts and, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then just like so in in whenever uh, config and just once you know once a day run this rake task. Yep, it's like a garbage collection approach. Actually, you know there are like a million places in the application where the where yeah. the 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 expiration date can change, and you could put like. You could try and cat, you know, put event listeners in all those places, or once a day you could just say, like "Run your cleanup." Yeah, yeah, it's it's a similar kind of thing. It's it's like super robust and reliable, and like yeah, especially with date logic because it's not like that's gonna fluctuate or change. <laughs> yeah, in a meaningful yeah, or, way. Or once a day, zip up the log file and as transfer it to this place. Yeah, that's, know, put it on S three. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's really interesting. So I've got, I've got a, a little, a teeny weeny little side thing that I created called Hourglass. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. I think you did. I probably did. I talked about everything. So it doesn't matter. I could really, really release a, a 200 byte snippet of JavaScript and be like, hey, let's talk about this on the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like the, it's, 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 uh, there's really, you have to run like this repetitive loop. I should, that's another, that's mm-hmm. a really small fun thing that I should probably try, maybe try and rewrite. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. That'll be my first Rails API thing. There you go. Redo it in Rails and then you can drop in Activate Man. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's all you really need. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And also, um, another cool thing about Whenever, um, not only does it give you this nice little sort of, um, layer for writing and managing these cron jobs um, is that there's also a Capistrano recipe mm-hmm. that you can include in your cap file, and so that and so then you can like update and install and delete and and cron jobs and, and all of that. Um, so all right, so, so okay, so I have to ask a question. So because that really makes it confusing. So okay. so let's say. I want to like. Where do you put the code? Uh, there's a there's a config file for whenever, and you or do you or you mean where do you put the code that you want it to run? Everything like like Everything. like you you is this is almost like a separate application that's monitoring another application in a way. Uh, it's kind of it kind of feels like it could be. I mean, I'm using it in the Rails application to run rake tasks in the Rails application's lib directory that relate to the application. Okay. But it feels like I could use it to do like completely different things if I wanted to. Like it's not, yeah. Right. So if you wrote, if you wrote a, uh, if you used the Capistrano recipe approach, what would it do? Like, yeah. Oh, it- I, I actually, I, I am using the Capistrano recipe. Um, but yeah, what you do is. Uh, you know, I have my tasks written in the the whenever um, file in inside of the application. But and, where, like, where is that? Uh, is it a config off, thing? Right off top of my head, I, I, I think it's in config. Let me look real quick. All right, she's got it stored in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> had to go away. <laughs> no, I just I don't remember where it's. I, I thought it was just me and the dear listener. I didn't know you were. It sounded like you walked far away. Oh no! Oh yes, it is. It is in the config directory. Okay, so the so schedule schedule RB file in the config directory. All right, and then where do you put? Where do you in, you put the gem in the gem file? Yeah, yeah, the whenever gem. All right, and so want to include the whenever gem in your gem file. So you, it's an include inside the gem file, right? Mm-hmm. And then you run bundle. Yep. And then now all the gem. Okay. And then then you <laughs> you run this little command called whenevererize. <laughs> awesome. Which, <laughs> which creates a schedule.rb file inside the config directory. Cool. Okay. Which you could always you could skip whenevererize and just create the schedule.rb file yourself. Right, but, right, right, right. But no, that's but exactly you have the option to run whenevererize. Why wouldn't you? Oh yeah. I mean, it sounds easy to type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would love to type yes. it. 
And then inside the schedule RB file, for instance, I have one here that says every one day do rake subscription update. Okay, so if, so in the Capistrano recipe, if you wanted to make changes to that, you could do it from Capistrano. It would edit that file. No. Okay. <laughs> from the Capistrano, from the Capistrano commands, yeah, allow you to install, uninstall, and update the cron job, the cron tab, on the server with based on whatever commands are in the schedule RB file. So, like, for instance, I have this one that says every one day run these files. Um, if I want to add something new to that or or add a different task, say I want to do something like every every three hours do this, mm-hmm. then I would create the create the task in the schedule RB file. Mm-hmm. Upload everything to the server. And then from Capistrano, I would run cap whenever update cron tab. Yeah. And it would put the new task in there. But anyway, that's whenever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whenever and then some. <laughs> exactly. I think what we're learning is that we're going to ramble no matter what. Yeah, it's just the subject matter. Yeah, so let's ramble on topic. Yeah. Rambling on topic. I like that. Uh, well, I'm actually excited about this next one as well. Okay. Of course, because of the implications, I assume, for sticky albums. Uh, actually, it's the one I'm no longer using for sticky albums. Okay, so uh, that will be very still interesting for me to hear. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't think this gem does what you think it does. <laughs> you keep using this gem, <laughs> but I don't think it does what you think it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so tell us about fa- Fast Image. Fast, fast Image is a little gem for getting information about an image. And in this, in my particular case, it was a width and height. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, um, I should say, from getting information about a remote image. I was, yeah, that was my first yeah. question. Yes, about a remote image. And I was using it to get width and height. And to be honest, I was did not do my homework and did not go back and look at the documentation before recording the podcast. So I don't remember if that's all it does or if it can get more image information. Hmm. Possible update for housekeeping yeah, next week. Yeah, we'll have to do that. But so but, that's that's super interesting because yes. I have never heard of any. I had not. I have. It's not that I've looked really hard, but typically, when I'm doing server side image manipulation or inspection, I'm using Image Magic or GD. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, and again, this might not actually be true, but as far as I know, they only work on uh, files that are on the local file system. Right. So you would have to download the file. Yes, and we are using S3, which is a very common thing to do. And need to have information about the files. Like, what do you do? You're right. gonna download it, and you don't even right. Mean, well, like, see, that's that's the thing. You're uh, if you want that information about a remote file, and this you you know you pretty much you have to download it. But what Fast Image does is Fast Image doesn't download the entire image. It downloads the the header information for the image and looks at that. Hmm. So it, it's only so it's going to start downloading the image, and it's only going to grab the first few bytes, and yeah. it's like, oh, that's that's the header information. It's going to read that, and it's going to give you give you back your your dimensions and whatnot. Interesting. So so imagine, if you will, a mm-hmm. situation where you have hundreds of thousands of images stored on a remote server that you cannot run a script on. 
Oh, I don't know. Something like S3. <laughs> you, you fell out of accent there really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it just, it, it, it pokes the image URL and gets back the first few bytes and reads the header information. And then says, okay, that's enough information. That's all I need. So, and then it stops downloading the image. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But so, but you, you're saying we don't need it. I'm not, I'm no, because now we're just storing the information when we process the image to begin with before we send it to S3. Right. It's not like it's going to change over there. Yeah. Oh, huh, well, very cool. That is, that is really good to know about. I wouldn't even have yeah. thought something like that existed. No, it's, but it's, it's really handy if you need to look at remote images. Mm, I like it. So you could, so now, now I'm all that. Like you could point that at anybody's server. <laughs> you could, I could, you could point that. I could find out how big anybody's images were. I know you could find out. You could totally find out the dimensions of the logo on my website. Ha <laughs> Or the icons, I should say, because I don't have a logo file on there. Now the world is my oyster. <laughs> you should calculate the sizes of all the images. <laughs> New Rails Rumble. Um. How big's my pick? <laughs> Big pick. Because <laughs> size doesn't matter. Um, all right. Moving right along. Yes. <laughs> number three. JSON schema. Yes. I think I'm going to like this. I think you are going to like this because we had a situation where we have, we have a very large and complicated JSON file. Mm-hmm. And... Pretty much the entire world one. depends on that JSON file. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not just one, but many, many tens of thousands, likely soon to be hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and pretty much if that JSON file is messed up, then the world stops spinning and we all fall out of orbit, get sucked into the sun and die a horrible, painful death. Unless Superman does that reverse that reverse Spin orbit thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, or maybe like a Doctor Who season four finale. Oh, don't even. Thing. Now I'm going to be, now I'm off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait. Oh, I know. Peter Capaldi is going to be so freaking awesome. Uh, it's uh, Tomorrow is August, right? So like yes. that just means we're that much closer. Yes. 23 days. <sighs> okay. Breathe. <laughs> I know. <sighs> what were we talking about? Um, validating JSON files. Yes. It's very so, yeah. important that the, that the files are, so here's, here's the thing. So imagine if you will, that you are, um, you are writing a single page, uh, web application that is extremely JavaScript intensive and you're basing the whole, uh, content. All of the content is coming from a JSON file. If the JSON file is borked, whether it's missing a double quote or, um, you know, it's like uh, not well formed. If we were talking in XML terms, um, it can be, it, it, it can have two problems. It could be not well formed or basically invalid JSON, like not JSON. Yeah. Or it could be missing information we need. Or it could be, yeah, it could be invalid format wise where it is actually JSON, but it doesn't conform to the format that we were expecting Yes. For an application. So we needed a way, and we have two different formats that we support. We do. So far. Yeah. And it dawned on us that it might be a good idea to have some way to validate the contents of this file. Mm Mm-hmm. 
This is kind of a first. It's funny because obviously the, the notion of XML, HTML uh, validation has been around for a long time. Uh, this is literally the first time when I'm like, wow, we, we need validation. Yeah, I've, I've never done this before. Yeah, yeah. So, so this was interesting for me. Yeah, me neither. So, so I found I found this this gem called JSON Schema. Yep. Which lets you um, take a generated, generated handwritten whatever takes takes a schema file that you have defined. Yep. Um, with your validation rules for for this JSON file, mm-hmm. and compare the two and validate validate the JSON data against that schema. Yeah, that's that's sick. Like, yeah. is is the schema? Can you? Is there some way in an audio podcast you can give us a sense of what that defining that schema looks like? Yeah, what that define what defining that schema looks like is it looks like me taking a copy of the JSON that I know is valid and pasting it into JSONSchema.org and letting it make it for me. Nice. So <laughs> and do then you, I went and did some tweaking. So you have to come um, up with like a, an all-seeing, all-dancing version of the JSON because yeah, some I some did. things are yeah. optional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and but yeah, basically that schema file lets you say, okay, we're creating this object and it should have this array within it, and this array should contain these objects, and and it should have a name, and the name should be a string, and it's required, mm-hmm. and yeah, or there should be a URL, and yeah. So basically, oh, basically, it, wait, it gets yeah, down like, to that level, like it gets yes, down to like, wow, yes. And does the does the tool is it smart enough to like recognize that this is an email and only emails should show up in this property? I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, that would be. I bet it does. You because JSON's awesome, <laughs> and it needs something like this. This is one of those things that you don't almost. You're just not going to need it that often. But when you do need it. You really need it. You really need it. And you would not. Everyone recognizes that it would be a good thing to have, but no one wants to spend their time doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm super happy to hear that someone spent their time doing this. Yes, because writing complex, writing schemas for complex JSON files by hand Mm. would just be a very, very special kind of hell. You almost need to be on the spectrum to write something like that. You pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen a regex for a, a regex? I never know how to say that. Regex that is for a tr- that is like spec complete for an email valida- validation. <laughs> yes, it's insane. Yeah, it's like three pages long yeah. of like nothing. Like I, but I want a poster hieroglyphics. It. Yeah, it's like because the email email is can be a lot more complicated than what's done in typical use. Mm-hmm. You can have all you can have like parameters in an email address. Yeah, you can. And the the um And there are exception TLD not TLDs, but there are exception domains that go way back mm-hmm. th- that have no TLD. There's like a lot of like if you really want to do it to the spec, you gotta you gotta if work. You want, if you, yeah, if you wanna do it to the spec, it's gonna be massive. <laughs> and it's out there and it's hilarious. It's wicked funny, yeah. It is. And yeah, I mean like it needs to be a poster. I like that, that I can idea. buy and hang on the wall in my office. I would wear that T-shirt. Yeah. I'm telling you. It'd be a long T-shirt though. Tails. Do it, like you have like <laughs> have like one of those, one of those like lead singer from Journey, t- tux <laughs> tails, but a T-shirt. Yeah. 
but it looks like a email with with the RFC complete email regex on it. Right, like right down the back, like all the way down the back of the tuxedo T-shirt, all the way down to the bottom, and it should have like a bow tie on the front too, like printed, (laughs) printed. Right. I'm digging this. If we ever have a niche meetup, that's what everyone has to wear. Tuxedo tees with an email validation regex on the back. <laughs> Should we have to incorporate Dungeons and Dragons dice in order to yeah. like really put this over the top? Yeah, because I mean, we we've had Doctor Who tonight. We've had yeah, we had the Princess Bride reference again. We've had that's right. So here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like put the cherry on top of this Nerd okay. Sunday. Okay, ready? <laughs> Nerd Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> What do you call a group of nerds? What do you call a group of nerds? Wow. Um, I don't know, John. What do you call a group of nerds? A dongle. (laughs) It's a dongle of nerds. (laughs) Yeah, that came up at the conference today. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. That should be a thing. I want that in the dictionary. Anyway, so we'll have a dongle of nerds wearing <laughs> tuxedo tees with spec complete email validation regics going down the back. And um, like D&D dice cuff links. Yeah. Well, it should be a pouch on their belt. Oh, yeah. Definitely. A pouch that's bigger on the inside. <laughs> wow. That might be, I don't know, that might be the end of the show. <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So that is our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. That's like, if you had a list of words in the English language that are not obscene words but sound like they are. I know, where'd that it come be right from? At the top. Yeah, where did that come from? Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't make sense. We, so, like, I was on my way to a conference. We were actually, Eric was like, do you have anything you need thing? I'm like, well, I have to check and make, I have to check my dongle make sure it works on my new computer. It's like, yeah, don't forget to check your dongle. (laughs) 